Hey everyone, this is Drew Munhausen coming back with a recap of day three of Fantastic Fest. I'll tell you what, going to these film festivals is interesting because firstly, they're they're just exhausting, um, which is strange to say because you pretty much sit in a movie theater for a majority of the time, but every theater you go to is packed. There's the constant shuffling between movies of where you go and waiting for the next thing and usually shoulder shoulder to shoulder with lots of people and it really does just wear on you it's interesting and don't get me wrong i love the alamo draft house uh and actually they have it run pretty well the first night it was a little hectic but ever since then they run a pretty tight ship however if you're wanting to go see as many movies as possible you really don't get that much time between each screening, which means you don't have enough time to leave if you want to go grab something to eat or, you know, so really if you want to leave the premises for any reason, you have to sacrifice a movie, which if you're, if you're trying to see as many movies as possible, then you're really forced to eat the Alamo draft house food the whole time, which is fine. They actually have decent food, but you know, there's only so much fried everything that you can handle at a festival like this. So um, anyway, it's just, uh, I think that now these first few days of the festival are really filled with a lot of bangers and cool things. And, and after day four, uh, after the first secret screening, I feel like it kind of slows down a bit. There's a lot more repeat showings and things like that. So um, it should be smooth sailing after day four. But anyway, I wanted to talk about a few of the things that I've seen on day three which i saw five movies day two four movies day three um the first of those was definitely one of the more absurd movies i've seen so far this is like a fantastic fest staple is the movies like this that i don't know where this is even going to be available um, but the film is called smoking causes coughing and it is directed by quentin dupio Quentin Dupio. It is a French movie about a tobacco themed superhero squad that closely resembles like the Power Rangers. Uh, and this movie quickly goes off the rails. It's it's definitely there to shock and make you laugh. Um, they end up just re recounting stories to each other around a campfire. It's really tr it's it's a difficult movie to explain on paper. It's the type of thing that you go to Fantastic Fest and you say, how does this movie even exist? But it's the type of thing that you'll find at, at Fantastic Fest. So anyway, that is smoking causes coughing. Uh, just Google the, the name of that movie and see the team that pops up. It uh, It'll give you a good chuckle. The next movie I saw was King on Screen, which is a documentary by uh, directed by Daphne Bywear. And this is telling about all of the Stephen King adaptations from book to film. And it goes through, I mean, the history of it, really starting with with Brian De Palma making Carrie and really goes right up until some of these most recent it uh, adaptations or The Outsider and things like that that have, that have just just happened. So they have some really great gets for this. I mean, Mike Flanagan and Frank Darabont and a lot of people high profile people that have done Stephen King movies or shows are all a part of this. And they're all super eager to share their takes because I think to be a filmmaker who makes uh, a Stephen King adaptation, 
you really you have to be a, a fan of his work in the first place to really understand it and be able to make it in the first place. So uh, it was really fascinating to hear all these folks give their, you know, their stories about movie making and being on set. It really takes a lot of focus on on Frank Darabont because it, you know, he did Shawshank and the, the Green Mile and then The Mist most recently. And so he just had a lot of stories to tell. And uh, yeah, I actually really like this. It was well crafted. The amount of filmmakers that they were able to get uh, is notable. So. Yeah, it was it was really great. They the only the big name that was notably absent from the documentary was John Carpenter, um, who directed Christine, which we'll talk about that later, because I will actually have an interview with the director of this film on uh, later in this episode. So I'll put it at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that. After King on screen, I was able to see Martin McDonough's The Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, which stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. This is uh, McDonough's follow-up to Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, Another film that he's done is In Bruges, which also stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. So this is notable for being a reunion between the director and the two actors. And this this movie kind of blew me away. Um, It is essentially a breakup story. Uh, They live in a small town on an island off the coast of ireland and it's a you know the town where type of town where everybody knows your name everybody knows your business and uh gleason's character decides that he no longer wants to be friends with Farrell's character anymore the the settings throughout the whole thing are just absolutely beautiful the i I feel like it's cliche to say this about some movies, but the Island is a character itself in the movie. Like you're just constantly seeing the story play out in these beautiful backdrops and um, the performances are incredible. There's so much comedy, but so much tragedy also. It is kind of a a dark comedy, but it's just so well done. And I think that this is going to resonate with more people. I think that a lot of people really like in Bruges, three billboards, uh, you know, course won a lot of awards praise but um critically i think there was kind of a mixed reception to it some that took to it better than others uh this i think is more of a return to form it's nice seeing these actors getting to use their their accents and you know uh, martin mcdonald's you know is irish as well so seeing it take place in ireland this it was just great uh all around great i i can't praise this film enough it's probably my favorite that i've seen so far of the festival i I would have said the menu after day two, but now having seen this, I think it has topped it for me. Then lastly, the last film I saw was Decision to Leave, which is from director Park Chan-wook. He is known for a lot of different films. I mean, goodness, so many. But I think most notable, Old Boy, The Handmaiden, and yeah, they did a little ceremony for him before the film started where they presented him with like a fantastic felt uh, fantastic fest wrestling belt. And they, the people in the theater, there like got up and knelt to him and they were doing, it was, it was funny, you know, they were playing it funny and just praising him. And he obviously seemed very uncomfortable and, uh, and said that he didn't know if this was the right, um, crowd for this movie in particular but you know was happy to share it and it uh you know 
it, it was very good. It was very well crafted. I don't know if it was just the fact that this was movie number 10 for me in a film festival that's been jam-packed. I was tired, you know, but I was just having trouble, uh, you know, ha- this one, I, it just wasn't resonating with me as it was happening. I, you know, it's a long movie. It's over two hours long. And it was just, it was just a lot. So I feel like I can't review this one as thoroughly as I should be able to, or I, I'm, I'm, I'm not quick to to put, you know, a star rating on it or something just because I feel like I might have to give this one another shot in a, in a different environment because it's just how it was. But it was very well crafted, very well acted, it actually, you know, had a had a really great plot. It's just something about it. I feel like the the reviews coming out of it are super positive and I'm a little bit more mixed and I don't know if that's me or the film. So there's that. So that is it for day three a fantastic fest coming up day four we've got the, our first secret screening which is really exciting uh, i have no idea what it's going to be if i had to place money on it i would say i think it's going to be halloween ends but but i might be completely wrong there's so many whispers out there as to what it could be i've heard we've, we're getting at least one horror movie and one that's more silly or, or something of that sort so we will see now I present my interview with filmmaker Daphne Baiwi. She uh, has spent the past few years of her life dedicated to making this King on Screen documentary that features um, a lot of different directors that have made uh, Stephen King movies or adapted Stephen King books into movies or TV shows uh, over the past several years. There's a lot of um, Frank Darabont is a is a big figure in the documentary as he directed Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile and The Mist and um, a lot of other familiar faces. And so she's just very passionate about King and his works and also about the films that have been that have been created. So please enjoy. Uh, first off, I wanted to say uh, congratulations on your film and playing here at Fantastic Fest. Um, I know that there were some screenings yesterday. How how was that? You I know you were there for Q&A, but how was the reaction? What was your what are your thoughts? Thank you so much. Well, I was very happy to see it on a, a huge screen with an audience, and especially an audience that loves genre and loves Stephen King. And uh, I was really glad because they were laugh. They were uh, <laughs> the, the 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 public really reacted so well to the movie. So I was really really glad. Well, and I know that when you make a movie about. Stephen King movies and there's obviously a lot of fans for that and so I'm sure you get a lot of questions about what's your favorite Stephen King book or what's your favorite Stephen King movie and I guess so my question is do you ever get tired of talking about Stephen King I mean I feel like you've probably been devoting your life to movies based off his work for a few years do you do you ever get tired of it? <laughs> well, actually, it's okay because since the, 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 the film was premiered yesterday, it, it's not too much <laughs> for now, <laughs> perhaps in a few months. But actually, we, we, we put so much love into the, the project, into the film, and uh, talking about the directors, talking about the, 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 the adaptations, I mean, I think it's always interesting because it's... Um, it was such a great adventure to, to live it uh, for three years, actually. We began uh, working on the project three years ago, so yeah. And I love, you know, you made the decision to really focus on 
the filmmakers and that, you know, that you reached out to Stephen King's team so that you got the approval, but it's all about the filmmakers. So my question is, did you see a common thread between them when speaking to them? Because his work, King's work in particular, I feel like you have to have a connection to it to be able to translate it to the screen. So did you see a common thread between all the different filmmakers that you spoke to for this? Well, actually, it was quite interesting because uh, they are they have very different profiles. For example, when you talk to Mikeritz, who did like seven adaptations, or Frank Darabont, who did three, uh, it's not the same than when you talk to uh, a director that just directed one, for sure. Um, although it's quite interesting to see that uh, directors for like um, Fraser Eston, who did Needful Things, he did just this film, but he's a huge Stephen King fan, and he knows everything about Stephen King. So it was interesting because sometimes you think, okay, perhaps the, um, this director w won't have a lot of things to say about, you know, adaptations and the books and how, uh, and the, mo the the movies in general. But sometimes they they know so many things that it's really a good surprise and it's difficult to cut, you know, to, to say, okay, we won't talk about this because we, we can't fit it in the film, but it's so interesting, you know. When you were reaching out, you know, to get people involved and getting those responses, I guess, what was your biggest win or what was your biggest moment that you're like, oh, we, you know, we got this? Uh, I think it was when we got the approval from Frank Darabont, actually. It was a huge moment. Uh, when, when we got the email where uh, he said yes, we were like celebrating because he's very difficult to get to. Um, mm -hmm. And he he's my favorite director since I'm eight, actually. So it was like such a great win. I mean, it was amazing. We were like so thrilled. And I know, and his career is really interesting because he's done three major adaptations that started kind of in the early 90s that went to, you know, the late 2010s, almost like a 20 year span. Did you have, did he have any interesting stories or anything that he told that maybe wasn't in the film that you can share with us? Oh, I think he said so many great things. Do you think of something in particular? But I, I'm just trying. We, we put a lot of things of from. from. Um, one, one thing is interesting, but you can answer that if you want. I don't know if you will cut, but um, it's about women in the room. Because he started actually in the 80s uh, adapting Stephen King mm -hmm. with Women in the Room, which is a dollar baby, like one of the first dollar babies ever made uh, by Frank Darabont. And he didn't even know about the program. He just felt that it was a good idea to adapt this story. And he wrote to Stephen King and asked for the rights and discovered at that moment the, the dollar baby pro program. And I guess in general, with Frank Darabont, it would have been very interesting to introduce the dollar baby system uh, in the movie, but it didn't fit, you know? So it's something we will add probably in the featurettes of the Blu-ray or something like that, you know? Um, but speaking about this film was very interesting because it is a bit shy about it because he thinks that it doesn't um, represent what he's able to do as a director because he was so young when he did it and it was mm -hmm. so such a painful 
process to produce it um, because it is a painful process to produce some movies, especially when you're indie um, and when you're young. So yeah, uh, I, I guess that is the moment that was also interesting because um, he felt he, he felt that way, you know. He's shy about it because he don't like it as much as the other ones, um, but he felt also that people like it and he, he feel that and he's very grateful like I don't know how much time he said thank you uh, mm -hmm. for loving my films and I think like not all directors are very grateful for the audience to respond to their films and I think in that regard is an amazing director and human being yeah I I have nothing to add to, to <laughs> this yeah, because, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that th that's true. That he's uh, an incredible filmmaker, but human being as well. So mm -hmm. I I hope we really capture this in the documentary because I wanted really uh, for the audience to feel the energy of the directors as well, and uh, yeah, he's a very human person, you know, really. Um, I like that the film went into the, you know, kind of the remakes to like with The Shining and things. And I wanted to get your personal opinion on, uh, you know, there's so many Stephen King works that, that have been done and remade. And what's your stance on that? Like, do you think that a lot of them are open to different directors putting their spin on it and doing an adaptation or, um, you know, or are there ones that shouldn't be touched? What are, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm pretty mixed about it because, for example, I really love the, the Shining version uh, that Mick Garris did because uh, for sure it was more faithful to the book, but it's working very well. I mean, when you see the, the, the how the Jack Turrence character goes into madness, it's very progressive. So it's very interesting to see um, his point of view on this adaptation and what he did with it, which is a great, truly great uh, story, the way he did it. Um, I'm more curious about um, the remake of Christine that is going to, to happen very soon. I, I'm a little bit afraid for sure because, yeah, it's always when you touch a movie like this, um, it's very complicated and it's true that I'm I don't really understand nowadays why we remake uh, films because there are so many great Stephen King stories that haven't been adapted so I, I'm thinking for example uh, Joyland or Jumaki you know the stories there are they are not adapted yet so why remaking Christine and not adapting new ones you know so it's a question I, I have in mind for sure which you actually tapped into what my next question was going to be <laughs> which is what's you know the most the the untapped Stephen King proje project that you think would make for a good film or TV project oh definitely those two one Joylon and Jumaki I mean those are great books. What, what, we want to see them on screen, actually. So, yeah, those are the two that I really would love to see. And uh, Talisman as well. But 
this one I think uh, deserves a, a great production supporting it because it's a hard one to adapt, really a difficult one to adapt. And um, I, I think about um, talking about difficult ones to adapt. I, I think I'm thinking about um, Mike Flanagan who did Gerald's Game. Mm -hmm. It's uh, like when you are reading the book, you think no way you, you can't adapt. You can't adapt this one to screen. It's impossible. And he did an excellent job doing it. I think the film is great, truly. So yeah, I think uh, for for example, talking about Talisman, I mean, it can be a great movie if the the production behind is very solid. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned Mike Flanagan, who a lot of people have really considered him recently to be the most one of the most recent directors who like really gets King and his works. And so. My question was going to be, do you think anybody can adapt King? I mean, like you could take the greatest filmmaker, right, and try to give them a Stephen King work to adapt. Do you think that just anybody can do it or does it take a, a special connection? Well, I think it's like with every author, um, you have to connect to the author. You have to connect to the material uh, as a filmmaker and you have to love the author and love the the way he writes, you have to to be able to get into his universe. Uh, I think as a filmmaker, you are the one that has to make the first step, for sure. If you are adapting a story, you have to really go deep into the, the universe of the filmmaker, uh, of the, the author, sorry. And sure, you make it your own as a filmmaker, but you really have to, you know, embrace the author and his work. And then um, what's next for you? Well, actually, I'm working on a lot of different projects. So um, there's a documentary I'm working on, um, uh, which uh, is Lifeboats. Uh, it's uh, the meeting between John Steinbeck and Alfred Hitchcock working on this movie, uh, which was uh, considered pro-Nazi at the time. So it's very interesting in that regard. And uh, I'm also working on a series uh, of documentaries uh, called You'll Never Sleep Again, which uh, has different uh, horror subgenre each episode. And uh, I have several um, projects in fiction as well. And I'm working on starting on my first feature film, fictional feature film. Perfect. Well, man, uh, my last question will be where, you know, this is film premiering at the festival. And then in the future, do you know where the general public will be able to see this film? Well, actually, I know it's going to be in a lot of festivals uh, this fall. And then after... Um... We don't know yet. Yeah. It's a negotiation, so we cannot announce uh, yet anything. <laughs> uh, for the French audience, I know that it will be broadcast on OCS which is um, a channel in, uh, in France and other countries, I guess. Um, probably in uh, Belgium, also uh, BTV, which is like the sister company, more or less, uh, as, uh, from Canal Plus. And OCS is a, a partner uh, of HBO in France. So it's two nice channels and OCS were very early in the process to help us um, doing this movie, though. It was very cool. And as a filmmaker, I think it could be great to have uh, like a theatrical release, but 
We have no guarantees. <laughs> right. Perfect. I think that's it, unless there's anything I didn't ask you that you're well, interested in plugging. I, I think we, we've did everything yeah i don't think of something that i would have missed but perfect yeah thank you so much for your time Great. thank you so much thank you. Yeah. Nice to meet you. yeah